we have an opportunity in the western part of the United States to do things that are completely remarkable because we have the resources to solve the issues related to rural, rural health. We have an opportunity to build world-class education. We have an opportunity uh, to create communities uh, that are healthy and safe and vibrant. Uh, they're going to help us attract workforce. Hello, and welcome to Out West, the official podcast of the Western Governors Association, a bipartisan organization representing the governors of the 22 westernmost states and territories. I'm Jim Ogsbury, Executive Director of WGA. This episode of Out West completes our series about reimagining the rural West, an initiative of North Dakota Governor and WGA Chair Doug Burgum. Throughout this series, we've explored different aspects of the initiative, examining challenges and opportunities in economic development, in infrastructure, and quality of life in the rural West. You might be wondering, how did this all start? In today's episode, we'll talk about the origins of the initiative, as well as some of the insights that we've gathered over the, over the last year of webinars and workshops and survey instruments. But most importantly, we'll talk about the recommendations produced by the initiative and what governors can do to help rural communities, particularly in light of the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm joined today by WGA Senior Policy Advisor, Lauren Danino, who has led WGA's work on the Reimagining the Rural West initiative. She's gonna discuss the special report of the initiative and we're also gonna talk to Troy Timmons, WGA's Director of Federal Relations and Strategic Initiative. Troy is leading uh, WGA's COVID-19 response efforts, and he'll offer additional perspectives on how the pandemic has impacted rural communities across the West. Lauren, thanks for joining us, and congratulations on your work uh, on this initiative. I know that you're excited to discuss what you've learned about the rural West and the recommendations in the special report, but for the benefit of listeners who might not know as much about this effort, can you explain how WGA came to focus on reimagining the rural West in the first place. Sure, and thank you very much, Jim. Um, so as you were saying, uh, it is the chairman's initiative, and every year WGA has a different chairman, and they get to choose the issue that WGA will focus on for the duration of their chairmanship. So Governor Burgum chose rural development, and I think it was a, kind of a variety of reasons that influenced uh, that decision for him. First of all, I think that he was interested in changing the narrative about rural communities today. We hear a lot of national media stories and um, read a lot about communities that are described as drying up or dying. Um, and we hear a lot about you know, all, the, all the young people who are leaving rural communities and moving to cities. But when you look across the West, that's really not what most of the rural communities uh, in, in our region look like. And so we wanted to have uh, the initiative focus on some of the more positive aspects of rural communities and kind of correct the story that most people are hearing about what life is like in rural areas. And the reason that things are, are changing is because there's been a lot of economic changes in the past couple of decades, and um, it's contributed to some big shifts in what the major economic drivers are for rural communities. Um, but there's still uh, new opportunities all the time, and especially with technology and increasing connectivity, rural communities offer a lot more opportunities now than they might have um, even 10, 20 years ago. So the initiative was a chance to explore the opportunity and the optimism that the Governor Burgum and all of our governors uh, have for their rural areas and figure out how to empower those communities so that they can be prosperous and vibrant in, in the future. 
Lauren, the framework of the initiative was built on three pillars, opportunity, connectivity, and community. Can you talk about those pillars in a little more detail and, and explain how they support prosperous rural communities in the West? Sure. Well, so the pillars emerged um, out of surveys that we did at the beginning of the initiative where we asked uh, rural stakeholders and rural Westerners about what their priorities were for their communities. And the responses really generated a wide range of issues and um, priority areas that people felt um, needed to be addressed. And the pillars are sort of how we sorted those issues into themes to kind of wrap our arms around this issue because rural development encompasses such a broad range of challenges. And as the report explains, um, the pillars, are, they ended up being sort of the basic foundation for vibrant and prosperous rural, rural communities. And while every community has uh, its different challenges and its different priorities, um, providing for opportunity, connectivity, and community is the basis of success. So um, the report goes into a lot more detail about what's included in each of those pillars, but just to give you an overview, Opportunity encompasses economic challenges faced by rural communities, um, which in many cases are, are the need to diversify, uh, fuel growth, and connect residents to better paying jobs. The report gives a number of recommendations for how we can modernize economic development strategies to build uh, more prosperous rural communities. Connectivity, the second pillar, uh, focuses on how essential broadband connectivity is in the rural West, as well as transportation infrastructure to better connect to those isolated and remote rural areas with the rest of the country. So the report goes into some uh, pretty detailed recommendations for how we can improve broadband connectivity and deploy more broadband infrastructure in the West, and that's definitely the main focus. But other things like air service are also really crucial for rural communities so that they can participate in the, in the economy and um, have access to all the same things that the people in urban communities are used to having access to. And then finally, community is really about livability and quality of life, which for some rural and tribal communities is held back by a lack of basic infrastructure and services like uh, wastewater systems or access to healthcare. And for other communities, it's uh, issues like not having enough affordable housing for um, middle income people or not having uh, the kind of culture and vibrant community life that they want to have. So this really comes down to local leadership and capacity and giving these com communities the tools and resources that they need to build the community that they want to live in. One of the governor's highest policy priorities is to improve the state-federal relationship. What did we learn about the state-federal relationship in the context of this initiative? Why, for example, is, is it important for states and federal officials to work together on rural economic development? Well, I think that in America, economic development and a lot of the infrastructure investments that are needed are really massive sums of money and uh, take a huge workforce that depends on the federal government to help um, get that money out the door and, and succeed. So as the report uh, talks about, federal programs really need to be flexible enough to meet the needs of all of our diverse states. And it's through working with the states in designing and then implementing those programs that, that they can meet that need. Um, and there's all sorts of ways that coordination can be improved so that state and federal efforts are working towards the same goals and um, producing efficient results for those communities. Another thing to think about in the West is that many of these, many of these rural areas are adjacent to or rely on federal lands for economic activity 
And so federal land management decisions make a big difference in what opportunities are or are not available to those to those communities. Thanks very much, Lauren. I'd like to turn to Troy Timmons, uh, director of WGA, who has been coordinating uh, on behalf of Western Governors, our association's COVID-19 response efforts. Uh, Troy, um, when we started this initiative in the summer of 2019, the economy was booming, and, and we were really, at that point, talking about how do we help rural economies more fully participate in a prosperous global economy. And then COVID-19 hit, and the dialogue changed dramatically. And we were talking more about how do we help these rural communities survive in times of crisis. Can you talk a little bit more uh, about the particular impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic on rural communities in the West? So the initiative really served two functions, and and one of those was to help us look at the COVID-19 crisis and, and how it was affecting rural communities. And that's there's certainly been an effect um, for rural health care systems, especially. Um, those are systems that are sparse in a lot of our Western states to begin with. Um, and the COVID-19 crisis, uh, for those communities that were really affected by it, um, could get hit really hard. Uh, one of the other things uh, with the lockdown orders in communities and, and across states, a lot of the income that those rural health care systems would normally have gotten just disappeared because nobody was going in for elective procedures. Um, so they weren't seeing the traffic and the income from that. One of the benefits of COVID-19, if you can call it that, has been uh, the increased use of telehealth and the ability of people to take advantage of not going to the doctor at all and still receiving uh, medical services. That points out one of the challenges, though, that Lauren talked about earlier, and that's the connectivity of these rural communities. If you don't have internet access, you can't take advantage of that. It also affects your ability to, to even go to work if you're at a, in a stay-at-home situation. So it's exposed some of the weaknesses in uh, this rural health infrastructure, um, the connectivity infrastructure, but it, I think it's also given uh, an opportunity to, to leverage those bad experiences into something good. Troy, the CARES Act that was enacted by Congress was intended to keep small businesses afloat during uh, the pandemic. I, including businesses in rural communities. Uh, And I understand that there have been programmatic challenges that have limited the uh, ability of of rural communities to fully benefit from uh, the CARES Act. As we we look toward economic recovery, what are the most important things for uh, Congress and, and for governors to prioritize? Well, the best thing we could do would be to come up with a vaccine or good treatments that can address COVID-19 in people that get it. Um, In the absence of that, uh, we expect that there will be another round of COVID-19-related legislation coming out of Congress. One of the things that we would look for in that package um, would be assistance to these small businesses. And that's actually uh, in the resolution that uh, 
Western governors passed in June um, discusses some of the uh, priorities that they would like to see in that legislation to ensure that small businesses in Western states uh, get that assistance and are able to take advantage of it. COVID-19 is going to have a, a massive effect on state budgets. And one of the other key elements of legislation coming out of Congress is direct assistance to states that was included in the CARES Act, um, probably will be included in the next round of legislation as well. States need to be able to take advantage of those monies uh, to address COVID-19, but there's also a host of other funding difficulties that states are experiencing right now. Lauren, what else might governors do? Well, a lot of what we talk about in the report applies even more now than it did before COVID-19. So I would uh, emphasize some of our recommendations focused on making it easier for rural communities to get the assistance that they need. So just as Troy was talking about, um, with some of the programs that have come out of Congress already, um, because of the structural differences that already exist for rural communities, they weren't able to take advantage of the resources that were available. So, for example, with the Paycheck Protection Program, rural businesses had a harder time um, being approved for those loans because there are fewer uh, big banks that serve rural communities. So governors can help um, step in and make sure that that the funding is going to local communities and that they have the flexibility to use it how they need um, based on their individual situations and how they're handling the pandemic. I would also say that um, any kinds of strategies to help coordinate between um, local government and state government and the federal government are going to be really important because everybody's going to be trying to do more with less. And um, bringing those groups together and making it easier for the applicant to um, figure out what resources are available and get approved um, is going to make a huge difference in getting money out the door more quickly. Lauren, how else has COVID-19 affected rural communities? Well, a lot of the sectors that rural communities um, depend on have been particularly impacted. Uh, we already talked about how small businesses are often the foundation of local economies, and uh, the extended closures from the pandemic have, have been a real blow. But tourism is also huge in the rural West, and um, the impacts of the reduction of, of travel and tourism are probably going to be felt for a long time. Um, we're also concerned, and the governors express in both the resolution and in the special report, that um, the airline industry may have uh, may, may be facing a, a longer recovery, and that rural communities that are already underserved um, might lose their flights. And that's also a, a pretty serious concern because rural communities with good connectivity and, and good airport infrastructure, um, we see that those communities are more successful in the West. So governors are keeping their eye on that. I think there are some um, possible benefits, uh, perhaps, that could come out of this in the long run. I think uh, many rural communities had already adopted strategies to try to attract remote workers. And as more companies um, are forced to try remote work out, uh, there's the chance that, that people will decide that they'd rather live in um, the rural West than in, in major metropolitan areas. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, but many governors have uh, 
programs in place to kind of encourage that through incentives or through training opportunities or through the funding of co-working spaces. Um, so that's one way that they can try and take advantage of, of that trend. In times of hardship, it's especially important to have local leadership guiding a community. What can we do to help rural communities build leadership capacity? Well, the report goes into a few different recommendations that would help to build the capacity of rural communities and, and help build those leaders that can guide their communities through this, this challenge. Um, I think that one of the key ways to do that is to increase the amount of funding that goes towards institutions and, and long-term funding to support the groups and organizations that um, are champions for their communities and are responsible for um, bringing money and resources into their communities to achieve their goals. Um, another way is to build networks between rural communities and between leaders in rural communities so that they can um, they can learn from one another and, and share what's working and share their resources too. And one of um, one of the ways that we've seen our states do that is in North Dakota with the Main Street North Dakota Summit. And that's an annual gathering that Governor Burgum started that brings together thousands of North Dakotans from across the state, from all of their rural communities, um, to participate in seminars and networking events, to learn about different rural development challenges, to connect with um, different groups that can help support them in, in reaching their goals, as well as funders. So that's an annual event that's starting to build more capacity in rural communities in North Dakota. Another example that I would point out and that you can read more about in the report is in Colorado, where there's a rural academy for tourism that accompanies a grant program that supports rural communities that want to uh, develop their tourism infrastructure or their marketing and, and get more people to visit. And the program acknowledges that people don't just need money, they also need um, some training and some education on what strategies work and how to implement them. And uh, the program encourages communities to, to get groups together um, from across the private sector and the public sector, uh, which builds a coalition that can increase the odds of success in the long run. For the full report on reimagining the rural West, which includes detailed recommendations to promote rural prosperity, visit WGA's website at westgov.org. Today's episode completes our series on reimagining the rural West. The Out West podcast, however, will continue to examine issues of particular interest to the West, including WGA's annual report, invasive species, disability employment, and more. I'd like to uh, extend a special thank you to Troy Timmons and Lauren Danino for their dedicated work on behalf of Western Governors and for sharing their insights on today's episode. Happy trails, everyone. <laughs>